All right. Well, we are in week number one of a brand new series called Out of My 2020 Mind. <laughs> Already? I was that way by March. Cole and I actually sat in the lobby uh, about a month ago, and, and I know for me, I'll speak for me, I won't speak for Cole, but I know for me, I was not in a great place just emotionally. I was functioning, I'm surviving, you know, I wasn't uh, about to choke anybody out, I, but I just, the tension was there. And I, I just think this morning it's healthy for us just to admit, for those that this applies to, that yes, there's a problem. And it's a big problem. And I would even say it is a bad, pervasive problem. It's a reality. We are hurting in many ways, we're hurting emotionally what we have gone through with COVID-19. Cole and I have felt it, and I know many of you have felt it as well. There's isolation, obviously. There's disconnect. There is stress that is increasing. Feelings of just general sadness, maybe even. Just growing tension inside and around relationships. And I would say right now, life feels, even this many months separated from when we were shut into our homes, life feels extra heavy yeah. right now. So as we begin this process, uh, and as we kind of collectively as a group and watching online, we begin this journey uh, towards some help, we want to let you guys know off the bat that what we are going to be uh, working through, teaching through over the course of the next five weeks is something that we have learned and really are learning yeah. from a, a, a mental health professional. He's known worldwide, written dozens of books on emotional health and emotional healing, and his name is Henry Cloud. And some of you have probably uh, read some of his things. We've done some small groups yeah. that were centered around some of his books. But uh, Henry Cloud is our uh, expert this morning in absentia uh, for this series. And we have his permission to present this series really the way that he's teaching it yeah. to us as well. And so as we get started this morning, uh, a great place to start is with Jesus, and that's where we're going to start is with a parable that Jesus taught during his earthly ministry, and we read about it in the book of Luke. And, and it's interesting, and I think it's important before we get started to make one quick parallel yeah. or comparison, and that is in this parable, there's going to be a fig tree. There's going to be a, a fruit tree. It's a fig tree specifically. And that fig tree, the most important thing as we move into the rest of this morning is to re remember as we go along that that fig tree, that fruit tree is representative of me and it's representative of you. It's representative yeah. of us. So let's jump into the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 13, uh, verse 6. This is Luke recording something that Jesus said probably more than one time. Yeah. Jesus probably taught this numerous times, and Luke recorded it. Uh, then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. I can relate to that. Uh, finally, he said to the gardener. So the owner of the field, the owner of the tree, says to the gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig Cut it down. <laughs> Cut it down because it is just taking up space in the garden. Yeah. Now, we could say so there was an expectation of fruit on that tree. And we all have expectations of fruit in our own lives. 
which is what so often, many times, makes us feel so horrible. Because we say to ourselves, I should feel better than this, right? I know better. I should feel better. And in, in a relationship or several relationships, we may say, I should feel better about my relationship. I should feel better about my work habits, my health. I should be doing better with my health, my self-discipline. It just goes on and on. I should be better than I am. With anxiety, we might say to ourselves, I should be better. I know this. My depression, I should be better. And it goes on and on and on. In some area, I believe that all of us could look at our lives and we could say, I should be better. I'm expecting that fruit in my life. Or I should be better than this, than it is yeah. right now. And, and we're not saying that there's anything wrong with expectations. Uh, it's okay to have expectations. The, the fruit tree that Jesus uh, was using in this parable it had been in the ground for three years. It should have been producing fruit. And it was okay for the owner of the tree to expect it to have produced some fruit. I mean, it had been planted. Three years had passed. Still no fruit. Um, it was working hard, I'm sure. I'm sure that tree was doing everything that it could to produce fruit. It was working very hard. And sometimes if we parallel our life to this tree... You know, it sometimes can make it a little bit worse when we know we're working really, really hard to produce fruit and it's just not happening. We're trying, we're grinding, you know, that's kind of the phrase now. We're grinding, we're grinding it out, but we're just not producing fruit. And, and sometimes we have a tendency to come to the conclusion that, well, you know, this is just the passing of a bad time. This is just uh, a time where there's not any real growth. I'm not seeing any fruit. I'm not seeing any growth. I just kind of have to grit and bear it. I've just got to endure it. Um, but we're talking about three years in this tree that Jesus was using as a parallel to our lives. Three years, fruit is not happening. And understandably, the man, the owner of the tree comes out and he says, you know what, three years, cut it down. I'm done with it. I'm finished with it. It's taking up room in, my, room in my garden that could be growing some tomatoes. You know, that's what my garden would be. It would be tomatoes. I'd, I'd want tomatoes. Or maybe cucumbers. We can grow cucumbers really, really well. Mm. That's interesting. That's huh? unfortunate. Nothing else but cucumbers and tomatoes. They're great. But he said, I want it gone. Cut it down. It's producing no fruit. And, and for us, as humans, we tend to have that same response. We have a tendency toward quick judgment. You know, it's not working. It's not producing. Chop it down. Get rid of it. Let's start over. Let's do something different. And that's the legal response. That's the response of the law. I've failed. You failed. We have failed. We've all missed expectations. So start over. Chop it down. Get somebody else in here that can do the job because you're not cutting the mustard, right? And in fact, James, in James chapter 2, verse 10, he, he puts it kind of like this. He says, for whoever keeps the law, the entire law, everything, but yet fails in one point, he's guilty of breaking the entire thing. Yeah, so when we see that, we look at our own lives and we say, I'm guilty. So the response that we have when we fall, when we fail, even if it's in one little area, we say, I am really guilty. I should have been better. Why did I even, so we go into this self-judgment, why did I even think 
that I could do that? Why did I think that I could be a good father? Why did I think I could be a good parent or a good husband or a good wife or just even a good person? And those kind of thoughts, that's what the law produces. When we have that expectation, that's what it produces. It produces some kind of hate, some kind of anger. And that's exactly what we're told in Romans by Paul. Romans chapter 4 verse 15. This is what happens. For the law produces wrath. That's what it produces. And in this case, maybe during this season of our lives, it makes us angry. The wrath is there. It makes it angry, us angry at ourselves. And we're saying, I should be doing better. We experience kind of this feeling of it's all good or it's all bad. It's all or nothing. And listen, I know that I'm good. And we kind of get stuck in this self-judgment, judging ourselves. Well, we get stuck in a cycle. Yes. We get, we get stuck in this, in this endless cycle. We act out, we do something, whatever it is, and it's different for all of us. I mean, some of us, it's anger, some of it, you know, we can, we can go down the list. Everybody has that thing. You're thinking of it probably right now. We do that thing, we act out, we blow it, we, we, we don't meet, meet, ex, meet expectations, we miss the mark, we feel bad about it after we do it. Oh, gosh, I did it again. And then we say, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to repent, I'm going to get better, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I promise not to do it again. We try hard, we try hard, we do it again. Uh, you know, and, and we end up doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then we go through that same cycle of events. And, and that cycle, at least in my experience, is always a closed system. It's a closed system that it just repeats itself on this same loop over and over and over. Again. And a lot of it happens right here, yeah. doesn't it, Cole? I it, mean, for me, when I think about, yeah. you know, it, I don't verbalize it a lot right. of times. I just think, oh, you screwed up again. Yeah. Way to go, you know. No one else may know. Nobody else is involved in, in the that, system. Yeah. They're not in the cycle at all. It's a lot of self-judgment. It's me, right. Well, um, many people think that what Cole just described is how the Christian life is supposed to work. We think that's how it works, that you know, you go through that cycle and we slowly improve. But no, that is not how God has designed the Christ-following life. What Cole just described, that is the law. It's expectations and trying harder. That's the law. And it's useless, the New Covenant tells us, it's useless to change us. It always leads to death and despair. Now there's this thing called godly sorrow, and growth can come out of that, but we're going to find out first that we can't get even to this godly sorrow when we are under judgment. So this story that Cole is telling right. keeps going. So we pick back up with this parable that Jesus is telling, and remember, the, the tree is me. I am the tree. You are the tree. So, and that's what we have in the story so far. We have a tree, and we have a judge, the, the owner of the garden of the, of the property, of the tree. He's the judge. So we have a tree, we have a judge, and the judge says, cut it down. It's not producing, chop it down. Um, and, and for me, I, I think most of us can be on the same page, page, but for me, I don't even need an outside judge. You know, I don't even need a person on the outside judging me because 
I do a really good job of that myself. I am the best at judging me inside my own mind, in that closed loop system that never lets anybody else in. I'm really good at that. But now we're going to have a third party. We're going to have a third component enter into the story that Jesus is telling. We have a tree. We have a judge. Now we're going to have an advocate enter the story. We're going to have an arbitrator enter the story. And that is representative of Jesus. So a third party comes in from the outside. And he comes into this closed system that really never allows anything in. It's just this constant cyclical loop. And then we have this third party advocate that comes in into this closed system of expectations, failure, judgment, and a whole bunch of shame. And we see in Luke chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, that this advocate comes in. And I'll tell you, in our life, the advocate is Jesus. In Jesus' parable, the advocate is the gardener. He's the gardener. But he replied to him, speaking to the owner, he replied to him, Sir, leave it just, uh, leave it this year also. So Jesus jumps in as the gardener. He invades the story and he yells out. I could just, to me, imagine him yelling out, Wait! Sir, wait! Don't, don't swing that axe just yet. Now, notice that Jesus here does not talk to the tree and say, Tree. Really? I mean, come on. Tree. Three years. Not even a little bud. Not even a little nibble. <laughs> Nothing. He does not shame the tree. He doesn't say, you could do better, you should do better. No, first thing he does is he talks to the judge and he gets judgment out of the way. And Jesus, as the gardener, creates a no shame zone. No guilt, no condemnation zone. Yeah, and we live, or at least I live, in the shame zone. You know, that's, that's, where, that's where I reside most of the time, is in the shame zone. And, um, in fact, Paul, Paul must have lived in the shame zone too. I mean, uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 21, this is the way Paul puts it, pretty blunt. He says, I've discovered, Paul speaking, I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Paul is basically saying, as I think we can probably echo, I should do more good, I should do better, I should be better, I should produce more fruit, I should, I should, I should. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame uh, on me. And so you would think the next verse, then he would be saying, so try harder. I should do this. And I'm not, so I need to try harder, right? No, that's not what the next verse says. The next verse says, thank God, Paul says, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And the very next verse in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, so, in other words, because of all we've just said, because of the answer, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the fact that we shame ourselves, I should do better, I should do better, so, now, because of all that, there is no condemnation, none, no, nada, zilch, for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is now, at this point, in the story that Jesus is telling, and 
since the tree is me, for us, there is now no condemnation. And Jesus says, even in our lives, to judgment. Wait! Wait, sir. Stop the judge. Don't slam down the gavel just yet. Yeah, but this is pretty interesting to me. Notice this. This is an interesting part of the story. Nothing's better. The tree is still not producing. Mm -hmm. No fruit. The expectations have still not been met at this point in the story. Nothing has improved. But nothing will improve until the judgment is gone. I mean, you think about it from the tree's perspective. No fruit, three years. Well, if the judge would have gotten his way and would have chopped it down, well, that's it. <laughs> There's no improving from that. That is the ultimate shut it down. That tree will never produce fruit as long as that judgment is in effect. But my life is the same way. Until I can get that judgment out of the way that I deal with on that closed loop cycle that I deal with every single day, until I can get that judgment out of the way, not a lot of improvement can happen in my life either because the law kills. And Jesus stops the judgment. Just like the gardener stopped the judgment of the tree, Jesus stops the judgment for me as a follower of him. And it creates a new kind of place. It creates a judgment-free place. When he walks in, speaking of Jesus, and that's God walking in, it's a judgment-free place. When a man, Jesus, walks in, we have a judgment-free place. Yeah, and what Cole is saying is so key because he's saying Jesus is God and Jesus is a man by God's design. It is Jesus is God with a bod. That's what Andy Stanley says. I love that. He's God with a bod. Now, now this is such an important concept for us to grab as we think through this story. We have Jesus who's God with a bod. He was there physically with the disciples and those that he was teaching. Now, the New Covenant teaches us that the body heals. Even our physical bodies has the capacity in some levels and ways to heal itself with our immunities and things like that. Well, God's body that he has created does the same thing. When each of the parts, and this body we're referring to is the church. Here's Here's how this works. Each of the parts, when they do their thing, the way God designed them to do their thing, this body called the church heals itself, especially related to these emotional things that we've been talking about. Here's how it works. Jesus physically came to his disciples and followers after he died and rose again, and he's like, listen, I'm going to go away. And can you imagine them thinking now, we're going to have to do life without you here? I mean, who are we going to follow? We are Jesus' followers. We are following the way. You're the way, Jesus. What are we going to do now? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I have to go away. No, Jesus, you need to be in front of us so that we can see you and follow you and we know you're here. It's comforting to have you here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I've got something better. I'm going to go away so that... I can send my spirit, not just to be around you like I am around you, 
not just to be near you like I am near you. I'm going to send my spirit so that God can be in you all the time. And God leaves, Jesus leaves, and he, he sends the Holy Spirit, which is also called the Comforter, to live in us. And now, all of us who are believers and followers in Jesus make up now the hands and feet, the body of Jesus here on this earth when we are all together. We are the hands and feet, the body of Jesus. Because God's Spirit is in us. And He has designed us to be together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 puts it this way. This makes for harmony among the members. He's not talking about church membership. He's talking about people who are part of, members, parts of His body now. This makes for the harmony among the members so that all the members, the parts of the body, care for each other. And here's how he describes it. This is what Paul is saying. If one part suffers, all the parts of the body suffer with it. Right. I mean, it, a good analogy maybe or a good comparison is like, you know, if your finger gets sick, let's say you have a hangnail, right? I get those all the time. Those things hurt so bad. And you, you get a, an ingrown nail, uh, you know, and, and it starts to get, it starts to get infected and, you, you know, you're starting to deal with that. You don't cut it off, right? You don't cut it off and put it in a drawer, you know, and set an anatomy book beside it and say, hey, study, study that <laughs> get book. Better. Get better. Get better. You, you got to get better. <laughs> right? I mean, and you, you chuckle like, well, no kidding. But yeah, that, that's true. You don't cut the finger off when it's not cooperating because the anatomy book says the finger has to be connected to the body to be able to heal. The, the body can heal itself of something like that. And the head, Jesus is the head of this church that we're comparing this to. He organizes the body in such a way that this church can send nutrients to different parts of the body to heal it. In, in the body, it's blood, it's the immune system to attack infection. The organs can clean up the body. That's how healing works, and that's how Jesus at the head of the church has kind of set up this body of believers to work, is to heal it itself, to yeah. heal each other. It's pretty miraculous. It's pretty cool. And it's his design. And so this is how the parts of the body come together to heal emotionally as well. Sometimes it is a supernatural healing where it all happens immediately and at once, but most often for us, it is usually a supernatural thing that happens, a healing through the body over time called the church. Healing the other parts of the body that make up the church as they stay vitally connected to each other, as Cole said, we're not cutting ourselves off from the body and going home and trying to figure this out and fix it as we stay connected. Right, and we have not in our story, in our parable that we started with, we've not gotten to the point in the story where healing actually happens. All we have done at this point in Jesus' story is we have cleaned out the things, we've gotten rid of the things that actually stop healing from happening, which we talked about as being judgment. We've gotten rid of the things that hamper the healing process. Um, now, what we're bringing into the story now 
is the distribution system. It's the, the vascular system. Mm -hmm. you know? It's the distribution system that allows the healing elements that are going to flow through and to the places that need to be healed. And that's the church. Yeah. We've introduced the church. Yeah. And so connectedness with the body, the church, that is what we have been struggling with since the beginning of COVID-19. In the beginning, we were forced into isolation with the whole COVID pandemic. It impacted our jobs. It impacted our ability to even see or talk to our neighbors, to, to be connected to the church. And so what we're saying today really is we have to find a way to regain connectedness. So a question this morning, you don't have to answer it out loud, just in your heart. Are you a closed system? Like what we described earlier, are you a closed system just trying to work this whole thing out on your own? Closed off to everything else and anything else that could potentially get into the system to affect the system? Are you a closed system? Or, or in your personal life, do you have someone that you can go to and be completely transparent and completely authentic with? Do you have that person? Um, do you have, on earth, on a kind of an earthly perspective, do, do you have an advocate? And on a spiritual perspective, if you're not yet following Jesus, you don't have that advocate in Jesus. Do you have that James 5.16 person in your life? Um, James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you have that James 5.16 person or persons in your life that you can confess these things to? These things that are bothering you. These things that are building up. These things that are festering in your life. Um, that word confess, it actually means agreeing, agreefully with each other, that person that you can come to and be completely authentic and transparent and have absolutely no judgment as a result of it. Do you have that person? Because that's where healing starts. Do you have that person where it is a no-fly zone? Before the game, Razorback game yesterday, a no-fly zone was a good statement after last night. Those of you that like the Razorbacks, you know what I'm talking about. It was rough. Do you have a no-fly zone in your life for condemnation? That person you can go to where there is absolutely no condemnation to worry about right now. Yeah. I grew up um, in uh, some churches that you could say were very rigid and somewhat legalistic. Churches where everything seemed to be, you know, you've heard it, it's either black or white. You know, you got to, there's a very fine line between this and that and there was a membership requirement, and so let's kind of describe that church for me from my experience. The membership requirement to be a part of this church, it was unspoken, but it was there as a requirement. You had to be a part of this church. You had to look holy. You know what I'm saying. Maybe you've been there too. To be a part of this church. You had to look like everything they talked about that you were doing really well. You had to look holy. But then we started this thing called Stuttgart Harvest Church. We have a membership requirement too. 
you must be screwed up. It's a requirement. If you're not imperfect, you will not fit here. Over here, at the legalistic church that I had experience with, I was on staff at some, if you show that you're struggling with something, if you reveal somehow or people sense that you're not holy like they expect you to be holy, they have a term for that. They'll say things like, oh, you lost your blessing. They'll say, oh, you're not walking in the Spirit. They'll say, oh, you didn't name and claim. Something is wrong with you here. They look at you and they say, something's wrong. Because, really, everything should be blessings and butterflies over here. But the reality is, unless we're Jesus, yeah, something is always going to be wrong with us. Even when nothing is wrong, something is wrong, unless we're Jesus. So that, if we stay over here in this legalistic side, our only choice is to go back into that closed-loop system and not let anybody know that we're struggling, not reveal that we're depressed, not reveal that we're hurting emotionally, just keep it hidden and stay in this closed-loop system. We don't want their judgment, but we'll just live with our self-judgment, and we just live there. But over here at Stuttgart with Church, if something is not wrong with us, we have a term for that too. For us over here. That term is called denial. Because we recognize yeah. something's wrong. Well, Jesus, I think, put it as succinctly as can be done. Uh, as recorded by Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. This is the way Jesus put it. And this is a, man, this is, this is a big moment, not only for us. This was a big moment for Jesus when he said this 2,000 years ago to the crowd that he was speaking to. He says, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he says, I have come, the reason I'm here is to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they're sinners and they need to repent. And if we call out to God and we agree fully with him about the areas that we have completely missed the mark, or sinned, the word we use is sinning. The areas that we've missed the mark, if, if we call out to God and we agree with Him in the areas that we missed the mark, this is what 1 John 1, 9 says. It says, if we, are, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we confess, we agree, saying, yeah, I missed the mark. I, I failed right there. God begins the healing process. The healing work begins. He takes judgment out of the equation and the body begins to heal itself. Now, which one is more biblical? Which one is more biblical? Looking better on the outside, like what Harley was describing, looking better on the outside. I've got it together. Um, <laughs> I, Mom, don't get mad at me. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, 
we would get ready for church in a rush on Sunday mornings. And we would get in the car. And no matter what had happened the day before, no matter what had happened the week before, no matter what had happened on the drive to the building. Looking for those shoes. (laughs) Or forgetting that Bible. (laughs) No matter what happened, when we pulled up in the church parking lot, it all got better, right? I mean, because we were right here. We were. It, it was. It was in. It, it was better. And on the outside, it all looked perfect. Yeah. Which one is more biblical? Looking better on the outside, or admitting the week really did not go well? Yeah. We're messed up. Right. Doctor Cloud says this. I, I love this. He says, "If you have a belly button, so just kind of everybody check right now. If I've you got, got one, yeah, button. I've got one too. I'm just getting deeper. If you've See, got a, it goes the other. Way. If you've got a belly button, something's wrong with you. You are part of a dysfunctional family. If you have a belly button, which actually takes us all the way back to Adam, we are part of Adam's family, and the Adam's family is always da 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 da." Always dysfunctional. And that dysfunction all the way back to Adam, generation after generation after generation has been reinforced. And it has been repeated, repeated, repeated. And Jesus came to set us free. And this place, Stuttgart Harvest Church, has become a healing place for me. A healing place. And one day, our friends in Malvern right now, that's going to happen in Malvern as well. A place to heal. So we all at one point were invited in to this place. And when we walked in, I became one of us here. You became one of us here. But here's the thing. We don't want to leave us there like we are when we walk in. There has to be no condemnation. You know, no condemnation though, that's not the end result. Jesus didn't come just so that there would be no condemnation. That is not the end result. That's not where things stop. That is only the beginning. What comes next is a life following God's Spirit for the rest of our lives. Okay, so back to our story. We're going to go back to that original story. Jesus, the tree, that's us. Uh, the, The advocate, that's the gardener, that's Jesus. We're going to go back to that story. So Luke chapter 13, verse 8 and 9. This is the gardener again. But he replied to him, after the owner said, cut it down. The gardener said, sir. I like, no, wait. Leave it this year also. So leave it here until I, the gardener, the Jesus character, until I, I dig around it and I fertilize it. Give it some time. Not yet. Give it some time. He says, here's what we're going to do. This is the way we're going to bring the fruit. It hadn't given us any fruit in three years. That's okay. Let's don't cut it down. Let's dig around it. 
Let's fertilize it. Let's begin the healing process. Let's dig around below the surface to find the truth. The gardener's basically saying, hey, let me get in there and find out what the problem is. Let me find out what's wrong. Let me find out what is missing. Let me find out what needs to be added so this thing will begin doing what it was planted and created to do. You don't go to a, a plastic surgeon if you need to have a cavity filled in your tooth, right? You don't do that. We have the right places to have things like that. Don't we go to a dentist? You go to the, to the dentist when you need a cavity filled. You go uh, to a, a heart surgeon if you need something. You know, we have specific places to get specific things taken care of. We have the right place to go when we need our emotions, which we have been dealing with now for, what, eight, nine months, and then, of course, beyond. We're just using COVID as a, as a snapshot to get our emotions healed. Under all of our woundedness, like people-pleasing, depression, shame, under all of that, there is some root cause. There is some type of infection or some type of decay that's kind of the underlying cause of those emotional issues that we're all dealing with on one level or another. I mean, when you think about it like this. When you take your vehicle to a car mechanic, so something's wrong with your vehicle, and it's just making a weird noise, or a gauge is wrong, or, you know, we can go down the list, and you take your vehicle to a car mechanic, you don't want that car mechanic to take it, wash it, wax it, get it looking good, shining up real nice, get the rims looking real good, and then hand it back to you and say... There it is. Looks good now. Drive on, buddy. You're in good shape. You don't want that to happen. You want that car mechanic to get in there, and you want that car mechanic to open the hood and to dig and to find out what the problem really is. You want that car mechanic to find the truth. You want that car mechanic to find out what exactly is hurting. You know, when the car's acting up, you could go to the car and you could shake your finger at it and you could shame that car. You idiot car. You knew better. How many times have I told you? Hey, we're going to have to do this again. We're going to talk about this again over and over and over. You could shame it. You could quote scripture to it. For thou shalt car not do that. You, you could give it all the scripture you want, but nothing is going to change that car. And our great surgeon... Jesus, he came to seek and save. And part of that root word for save means heal. Jesus came to seek, save, to heal that which was lost. Do you know what we need him to do as he digs around with the tr looking for the truth in our lives? He needs, he needs to take some x-rays. When I explode on a relative, or we have, we kind of explode on our kids, or you explode on a spouse, or a co-worker, when we kind of lose it emotionally, and we're off the rails, we, we need him to take an x-ray, because as he looks at us, Jesus already knows what's going on, and knows what's happening, but he needs to take that x-ray, and he needs to show us, and say, look, he needs us to understand, here's what's going on. He needs to take me into the truth. Not condemnation. He's not under the hood condemning us. 
He wants to open up that hood and to show me, Harley, look. There are no spark plugs under there. Something that needs to be standard equipment on your life, on your automobile, was not installed. Let's install it. Sometimes as humans, we come from the factory with things that did not get installed properly in our lives. Or maybe not even at all. Many times, we have never, ever, ever been taught how to even have a difficult conversation with someone without it becoming a fight. Or how to move towards someone who is angry at us instead of away from them and hiding or instead of against them. You see, most of us, myself included, we are trying to live this life and we're trying to go to work and we're trying to work on things in our lives and with our relationships and no one has ever taught us how because since Adam things have been messed up because of broken lives there are things in my life that have been installed in the wrong places in the wrong place in my car or maybe not at all what a terrible burden to live under so, God uses His body, which is now the church body. And as we leave that closed system, and we get transparent, open, honest, God can use His church body to help open up that hood and to lovingly, kindly, with compassion, look around and say, look, 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 there. That might be missing. Or, or, or that, that, that wasn't installed. So, you know, keep coming. Let's, let's do something about that. So let's pick it up again. Let's go back to our story. We have um, the gardener, the advocate, he's dug around. He's looking for the problem. What's the underlying cause? What's the root issue that is causing this tree not to produce, not to meet expectations? And then, what does he do? He fertilizes. He gives it what it needs. He adds what is missing, what maybe wasn't installed to begin with. He gives that tree whatever it needs to produce fruit. See, the, the tree... The tree's not the creator. The tree is simply the creation. Remember, I am the tree. I'm just the creation. And sometimes the creation just can't produce what it needs to grow by itself and for itself. To give you an example, you probably know this. There are nine essential amino acids that you can't produce. You just can't do it. Your body does not have the ability to produce these non-essential amino acids, things like lysine and, and tryptophan. There, there's not, nine of them total. And no matter what you do, you can't produce them for yourself. And if you do not get those non-essential amino acids, you'll die. You will be chopped down. 
but you can get them from outside sources. You can get it from food. You eat certain foods, you get the essential amino acids that you need, and you rock on and everything's fine. There are some things that the creation simply cannot produce. And it needs somebody or something or some element to come into this closed-loop system that we've been living in and that we've been struggling through, and we've been trying to grind it out inside of it. It needs some outside element to come in and say, no, 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 you need this. You didn't have that. That needs to be installed. We have to get from the outside what we need to grow. Things like for the tree, sun, water, minerals, a car. It needs certain things for it to work right. And if those things are missing, doesn't matter how hard that car tries. It doesn't matter how much work that car puts in. And it doesn't matter how good that car looks like on the outside. It's not going to work until somebody installs those things properly. So we've been called to live up here, but we're here. And so the steps involved to get from here to here, that's growth. But we can't force it. It has to be given to us from the outside. So... A closed loop system has to become an open system for this to happen. We're not going to will that to happen. Trying harder is not going to close the gap. We can't force it to happen. We need something from the outside to help us begin to move. Okay, so the gardener's going to dig around the tree and he's going to fertilize it. What does that mean? What is the fertilizer? If I am the tree, what is the fertilizer? Well, that's grace. That's where grace comes in. Now, grace is actually somewhat of a misunderstood term. It's, a, it's something I've misunderstood in my life. Uh, if you ask most believers, most people that have been following Jesus for a very long time, and you say, what is grace? Give me the definition of grace. You're probably going to get um, something like, they're going to say, well, grace is, it means God accepts me just like I am. And, and it is true that that is um, a manifestation of grace. That, that's a part of it, but that's not the whole picture. Because grace is actually two words. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, unmerited. I can't produce it. I can't earn it. I, I, I'm like the tree. I'm worthless on my own. No matter how hard I work, I can't earn it. I can't get there. I'm not going to produce the fruit. No matter how many years you give me, I'm not going to pull it off. It's unmerited. I can't produce it. And I didn't earn it. And then it's favor, which is the part that has to be there. God gives us what we need. That tree on its own will never produce fruit. You can give it as much time as it needs, but it's not going to get there until the gardener gives it what it needs. That's grace, unmerited favor. See, the struggling fig tree, Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Don't cut it down. Don't cut it down. It's just missing some stuff. I mean, it, it looks good. Probably was a good-looking tree. <laughs> Probably had a lot of awesome branches, big, strong trunk. But Jesus said, it looks right. It looks like it should produce fruit. It's missing some things. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give it what it needs. I'm going to dig around. And I'm going to figure out the problem, and I'm going to give it what it needs. Training, development, modeling, coaching, connection, resources. 
I'm going to build you into an undepressed person. I'm going to turn you into a person that can handle stress or can work through anxiety. And the only way that the tree, or in this case, again, because the tree is me, the only way that's going to happen is there's got to be some things put in from the outside. Okay, so this fertilizer, this grace, this unmerited favor does not excuse me. It doesn't say, grace does not say to me, okay, Harley, listen, it's okay. It's okay. I know why you're down there. I understand. It's okay. Just, just stay there, Harley. It's okay. No, 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 no. Grace, unmerited favor, puts into me what I need so that I can rise above. Grace does not let me off the hook. It gives me what I need. What I haven't earned, what I didn't deserve, what I can't do on my own, but it is what I need and what I must have. So when it comes to overeating, grace is going to give me what I need. Not excuse me when it comes to my depression. Or if we have outbursts of anger or rage or embarrassment or shame, grief, anxiety, the feeling that we are of no use, no good, no value. If we're not taking care of ourselves, we can know from that list that those problems that we see, we can know that there is something down deep under there, some kind of of deeper pain because we're not held accountable under the law which is so wonderful if you've ever studied the law you know you don't want to be held accountable under that we're not held accountable under the law we're held accountable instead to a relationship so with all of that being said grace accountable fertilizer it doesn't keep us from being accountable it simply gives us what we need. So, so from that perspective, with that in mind, to, to truly grow and to meet ex, the expectations and produce the fruit, I would ask, did you go to your group this week? Did you go to your small group this week? Did you go to your recovery group this week? Did you attend a worship gathering? Maybe this one this morning last week did, did you did you go to church did you did you attend a worship gathering at Stuttgart Harvest Church did you go to your Christian counselor that you know you really, you need that did you go to your Christian counselor did did you go to that coach that person to to help guide you this is a big one did, are you more connected to your relationships in the church in your church or are you more connected to the relationships that you have in your hobby See, grace holds us accountable to the relationships that we have in the church body for the purpose of healing and for the purpose of producing fruit. Now, there's one more component, very quickly. One more component, of course. Got to get the judgment out of the way. Got to dig around, find out what the problem is, and then we've got to pour into it from the outside. But then there's a third component, and that component is time. Digging for the truth, or uh, digging for the truth, that is identifying what the problem is. Fertilizing. That's grace. Giving us what we need. And the third part is time. Yeah. You know, 
I've read about you. I have. I know you from this perspective. I read about you in the Bible. My friend, you are a human created to bear fruit. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. That's saying you, my friend, have been designed by God. You are His workmanship, His piece of art, His pride and joy, and you were planned, designed, created all beforehand. He knew all of this that He had for your life. And He planned you and designed you to walk in that way. But I also know this. This is true about all of us. Me too. We were created for that. But we went through a cataclysmic fall. And in that fall... We disconnected ourselves from the source. We lost control of ourselves. And we were infected with this horrible cancer called sin. And we were put in this life with a bunch of other broken hoodlums just like us. They didn't know how to live life either. We didn't know how to live life. And then we were asked to take the test of life. And we failed. Now let me ask. Does anybody need a Savior? I sure do. Yes. We do know it's a sin problem. Yes, we know it's a not knowing the truth problem. And yes, we know we need some kind of experiential healing. We, yes, we need spiritual warfare and we need some kind of deliverance. But listen, here's the point for today. We know all of that, but here's the point for today. We need to be reconnected to the incarnational gospel. That's a fancy word to say the gospel as lived out in Christ's life through his body called the church. And we must be reconnected to the church with Jesus Christ as the head and the ecclesia, which is the Greek word for the body of Christ, the church. We must reconnect. Ephesians tells us, when we are connected, this body goes to work. Each of the parts doing what it was designed to do. And that is a church that heals when we are hurting emotionally. Ephesians chapter 4. He, God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the body is healthy and growing 
and full of love. And that tells us this too. When we experience the kind of healing that God wants us to, then that means we multiply that healing into the lives of other people connected to the body. So it all starts here. We have to dig below the surface and look for the truth. Why are my emotions right now broken? What's under the surface? I know what I'm feeling. I know that I'm irritable. I know I'm isolated. I know I'm partially depressed. But what is the truth? What is down under there? And then we need the fertilizer. Grace. God giving us into our lives what we need. That unmerited favor. Him giving us those things. And it is given to us, those things we need, given to us, administered to us, installed through His body called the church. And then we give it time. Allow time for His truth and His grace to work as it is administered through that body. And today I can say for me and I believe for us, we need the church more than ever. For such a time as this, it's inside the church that we find the safety to open a closed system and finally tell somebody the truth about how we're struggling. This is not a time. We may have to social distance. This is not a time to emotionally distance ourselves. This is not a time to emotionally isolate ourselves. We need to run to the body and stay connected to the body. We need to do that physically here. And for some, we must do that online. We need to be a part of a group. We need to be connected. If we don't stay connected, we will never get better the way God wants us to get better. You know, it's too late to sign up for a group right now. This trimester is well underway. So here's what we're asking. If you're part of a group, please stay involved in that group. Online group and the one that meets here. But for all of us, this is so very important. Be part of every Sunday worship gathering make a commitment to connect to not miss a Sunday for the rest of the year and there's only a handful of weeks left and for those who are not able to be here physically don't miss a live stream live we're not talking about time shifting be there live so that you can be here with us. 
Some of you live in the theater when you are physically able to do that. And for the others, live as we stream. If you're physically able to be here, I just want to say this. I want to let you know, if you're physically able, if that describes you, with your health and where you are right now, if you are able, don't stay home for the convenience of the live stream. If you can be here, come and connect with us. And while you're here, this is so important, come early and talk to people. Come early and connect. And if you cannot be here physically, and here's what I'm asking, our friends online, our family online, if you can't be here physically, please be online, live with us. And please, don't be invisible. Don't be disconnected. Talk to people. Join in the conversation in the comments live. Get involved in the comments every week in the conversations live so that we can find a way to stay connected. Will you please take the risk to step emotionally from behind your screen, whether you're on your phone or your tablet or watching from your television, will you come emotionally from that from behind that screen and will you start connecting with people online in the conversations, in the comments on Sunday morning? Let us see Jesus beginning to heal our emotions. Him as the head of the body. And Him working through the body, His church, to bring emotional healing with truth and grace and time. We beg you. Let's pray. Jesus, we need what you have created to take place in this body called the church. We need you to dig in and around our lives with truth. We need you to add what only you can add through grace. And may we allow the time needed for you to bring healing in our lives through your body called the church. Jesus, we need you. And it is in your name that we pray these things, Jesus. Amen.